It's a privilege to be back at Monty this morning and uh, it's lovely to see you all again. And what a great um, service we've had. Isn't it been wonderful to be able to hear about the things that God has been doing in different people's lives and different parts of the world and what an impact we have as local churches. I, I am not very good with direction. If you take me somewhere and turn me around, I wouldn't be able to tell you where, where I'm going, north, south, east or west. It took me a long time to work that out. One time Lynn and I were on a holiday together and we were walking along the, the bank and I'm convinced, Lynn, that we're going back to where we should be going. And Lynn is convincing me that we're going further away from where we should be going. And Lynn was right. Uh, and uh, uh, over time I've come to realise that I got out of the, uh, so bad it is, that I got out at the station in Melbourne one time, Flagstaff or somewhere like that, and I went up and I jumped on a tram that was going the wrong way. I was meant to be going down toward the Docklands and I'm heading out the other side of Melbourne. And so I am really terrible when it comes to uh, direction. An instrument that's containing a magnetic needle and shows the direction of magnetic north is called a compass and it helps to give us direction and also because of that it helps us to fulfil our purposes. A compass gives direction and purpose to us. I want to read a little illustration to you. It's really quite an amazing little illustration and it made an impact on me. John W. Gardner, founding member or chairman of Common Cause, said, it's a rare and high privilege to help people understand the difference they can make, not only in their own lives but also in the lives of others, simply by giving of themselves. Gardner tells of a cheerful old man who asked the same question every time he met a new acquaintance. He fell into conversation with this, what have you done that you believe in and are proud of? He never asked the conventional question such as what do you do for a living? It was always what have you done that you believe in and you're proud of? It was an unsettling question for people who had built their self-esteem on their wealth or on their family name or on their title of their job. Not that the old man was in any way a fierce interrogator. He was delighted when a woman told him, I'm doing a good job of raising three children. And when a cabinet maker said, I I, I do my best in my workmanship and I practice it every day. And another woman said, I started a bookstore and it's one of the best for miles around. I don't really care how they answer, said the old man. I just want to put the thought in their minds. They should live their lives in such a way that they can have a good answer, not a good answer for me, but for themselves. That's what's important. Now listen to that for a moment. Isn't it interesting? I wonder as Christians what we have done and that we're proud of. What you have done and you're proud of. Now, it's not about us, is it? It's not about us at all. And so, on a human level, that's very challenging. But on a spiritual level, it's even more challenging. What have you done that you believe in and you're proud of? And we've heard about this this morning, haven't we? It's been very encouraging to hear how people have stepped out and got involved in activity and in missional work all around the place. What are you doing and what are you proud of? I want to put that thought in your mind this morning. Both as Christians individually and as a church, we are commissioned to fulfil God's purposes on earth. That's our job. And this morning I want to speak on this important subject of being a missional person in a missional church. 
And I want to give you a biblical compass describing our direction and our purpose. This is what it's all about. Making a difference. Making a difference. Not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of others around us. Simply by giving of ourselves. And the first thing I want you to notice about our biblical compass is that every believer is sent by Jesus. Every Christian is sent by Jesus. In John 17 verse 18, Jesus said in his great high priestly prayer, he said, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Praying to his father, I'm sending them just as you sent me. And then in John 20, 21, when he appears to his disciples, as they, he says, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. And so every one of us has sent, you know, the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and baptise in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Now Jesus sent his disciples on a mission and through that he sends us on a mission to make a difference and he gives us direction and purpose in our lives. But the next thing about our compass here is that (coughs) he sends us with the cross. He sends us with the cross You see, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus accomplished salvation by dying on the cross. And dying on the cross, he paid for our sin debt. That's really important for us, isn't it? We need, as Rob Freeman said last week, the people in Malachi's day had lost their direction because they had a faulty understanding and, and, and didn't really understand the ways of God. And the ways of God is that he sends his people out through Jesus with the cross, the message of the cross. And according to the scripture, without the cross there is no salvation. Without the cross there is no forgiveness as we heard this morning. Without the cross there is no hope. But through this incredible cross work of Jesus we are given eternal life. Isn't that incredible? And he says, now take that out to others. Take that out to others. That's really important. You see, the word of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. That changes the whole thing. And it's really important we have the right compass, that we know we're going in the right direction to achieve the right purposes. And then I want you to notice, he sends us out in community. In community. We go out together. Local churches are on a mission and they send people out and they support them. And people go out from local churches and communities and come back and talk about it. Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for her to redeem the church. And community exists for mission. Community exists for mission. That's what we're here for. A large part of who we are and what we do is all about the mission that God has given us. Christians are to bring the gospel together to the culture, both where they live and beyond, to all the cultures of the world. You see, Christ is, the church is called to work, do the work of Christ and that means action, that means activity, that means getting involved and being a part of it. See, those who belong to Jesus are called to be agents of salt and light. And I like that because it means wherever we are, whatever we're doing, 
You know, in Luke 10, if you have a look at those verses there, uh, in the early parts of that chapter, Jesus takes 72 followers and he sends them out two by two, together, to work in unison. And then if you go to verse 17 of that chapter 10 of Luke, you find he sits and listens to the report. Because it's all about community, doing it together. If you go to 1 John 3, 16 and 17, you'll see there it's a powerful scripture that says, if we have this world's goods and see somebody in need and we don't help them, then we are not the people of God. Because it's the love of God that stirs that compassion within us. You see, fellowship, relationship, community is all a very important part of the mission that we're called to do. It's important to understand we do it in community. But going to the compass again, we're called to, we're sent by Jesus with the cross in community to the culture. Now, this is so important. One man said, if man is to be reached, he must be reached within his own culture. Now, we know that God can do the extraordinary, but in the main, it's so true that if we're going to reach people, if we're going to understand and communicate and be effective, it's important to be a part of what's going on in their lives. And that principle comes when we see God coming in the form of Jesus. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth, but he came and mixed and mingled with us. And as missionaries, we're sent by Jesus to understand the culture of the people. And to do that, we need to understand things like language, and values and ideas and then we need to take steps to communicate the gospel. And I love that text in Luke 5.29 where it says Levi, or if you like Matthew, held a banquet for Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were with them. That's missional. That's making an impact with the people around you. And then... Notice, we're sent by Jesus with the cross in community to the culture for the king and his kingdom. You see, if you go to the end of the book of the Acts, this is what you read. Paul is under house arrest and it says he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. Last verse in the book of Acts. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. He's taking the gospel. But what about Jesus himself? This is what he said. He said, but I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because this is why I have been sent. Now let me pause for a moment and just apply this a little bit. Sent by Jesus with the cross in community to the culture for the king and his kingdom. I've used this illustration before at Monty. I'm conscious, very conscious of that and I won't dwell on it. But it always remains there when I talk about these things. More than 40 years ago, a group of people called Christian Crusaders came into our district at Paltown, country town, long way from the city, hardly heard of, uh, of um, motor cars, let alone television that came later. You know, way out there in isolation. And these men came and they inculcated and they incarnated and they became part of who we were. And out of that little town came so many Christians. So many Christians. They were sent by Jesus. They came with the message of the cross. 
They came together from their own community and churches backing them and they inculcated themselves. They became a part of us and we understood them, we believed in them, we really grew to love them and it was all about the king and his kingdom. That was a long time ago but what about 2010, September, October 2010? Lynn said to me, I'd really like to go on this short-term mission to Kenya. So thanks, Graham. <laughs> thanks. Others, oh, by the way, international China concern. We were over there in 2002, <laughs> so I wouldn't recognise it either now. But there we, there we were in, in Kenya. Lynn wanted to go and on the short-term mission and I said, well, I'm going to go with her. That'll be great. So off we went. But Lynn had the call to go. Ten of us went from Victoria. We set out to go across to to Kenya, to Nairobi, to work with Christina Eglinton and her work there uh, amongst the orphans and uh, the slums and the school. I've got to tell you, it made a profound impact. I, I, I say to myself, why didn't I do it 40 years before? In powerful impact. Working for 18 days in a concentrated situation, watching a real live missionary at work. Powerful. People coming to Jesus, you know, people's lives being changed, impact, absolutely incredible. But, you know, I still have the beautiful vision of the eyes of these young kids. Like these are kids in school going from preps right through to, to uh, the secondary school or the equivalent of our secondary school. And, and, and I'm not wanting to come away and, and being changed inside. My value system was turned uh, upside down again in another way. And I realised that, you know, this is what it's about. It's about mission. But then three years ago I decided to sign up as the Casey's, as the Casey Scorpions Football Club uh, chaplain. And I might have talked a little about that another time here too. But, you know, I went to be the chaplain over at Casey Scorpions VFL Football Club. I did some training and went out there. And now I've been out there for a couple of seasons. I want to tell you it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do hard. It is not easy. I love football. (laughs) Unfortunately, I can stay all day and watch it and watch it and watch it. I just love it. That's not a problem. I love being amongst the crowd. That's not a problem. (laughs) But being the, the representative of Jesus Christ, being sent by Jesus with the cross, with community behind us praying, the Sports Chaplaincy Australia supporting us as we do it, churches that know about us supporting us, going in and and inculcating myself in that environment to be Jesus to those people, for the king and the kingdom, that's not easy. That's not easy. And that's good. It's good. And it's encouraging. Well, you know, it's it's more practical than that too, isn't it? Although those things are practical. The other day, a few weeks back, down in Mornington, I was driving up the Mornington Tyab Road, ready to go onto the Muraduck Road, and I got up to the top of the hill and here's this truck stopped and there's literally hundreds, dozens and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of cars, going down the main road, coming up the Mornington type road and they're just going around this truck and he's got something at the back of him and here's a whole pile of corrugated iron, four metres long and I reckon 50 odd sheets. I didn't know how many was there when I got out of the car but I stopped the car and this guy needs a hand. He's, saying, he's trying to push them up on his own right up over the top. So here we are, one sheet at a time and every time we go down there's more and there's more because it's brand new iron. <laughs> I'm going, whoa, whoa. He's this old 65-year-old guy with a heart condition. <laughs> Don't tell the guy, you'll get a fright. And, and, and we get all his, his, his sheets on and then in the middle of all that he says, who are you, where do you come from, what do you do? 
And we had a conversation and, and, and then I moved on. Nothing else. But that's missional. See, missional people in missional churches. And I thought, hey, I wouldn't, couldn't have done anything better or more important than stop and give that guy a hand. You know, it was just logical and just reasonable. But that's what he says. Sent by Jesus with the cross, sometimes encouraging, sometimes agitating, isn't it? In community with the church, to the culture, for the king and the kingdom. Well, what about this whole thing of the compass? Well, it's all about missional living. See it in the middle there? Missional living. How do we live as missionaries in our world? How are we going to do this? How are we going to fulfil the purpose and get the job done? Well, you saw it there in those verses 5 to 11. I just want to concentrate on a couple of those. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so I suggest to you that there's some things we need to recognise if we're going to get the job done. And that is we need to recognise the person and place of Jesus Christ in our lives. And you might say, well, I've been a Christian for years and years and years and years and years. It's not the point. Not the point. The point in this passage is really clear. Many people think that Jesus is a man who died on a cross for our sins. But this doesn't say that. It says more than that. It says he was incarnated and he was the son of God. He emptied himself and became a human and was obedient to the Father. And this tells us how serious sin really is. It's so serious that God had to send his son. Hey, this missional whole thrust is all about understanding. Jesus came and made a sacrifice. He paid your sin debt and my sin debt. And he's the only way to get to heaven. And that is who Jesus Christ is and that is what he's about. Because he did that, the Father exalted him above every name. And you know what? Jesus Christ is the highest name there is. So when I gave you that story at the beginning, that was a man's idea, a good idea. But here we're talking about something that is so supreme and we're all a part of the mission once we've come to know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Highest name there is. No name carries any more quality. No name is more heavenly or more glorious. No name is more powerful or has more energy than Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is Lord. Who is he? He is God. What is his place in my life? Lord. Lord. What does it mean? Simply means, and haven't got a lot of time to explain it now, simply means the boss. The boss. And you know, if we treated some of our work bosses like we treat Jesus we wouldn't have a job. But with Jesus it's even worse than that. We disenfranchise ourselves if we don't understand what he's talking about. Being the Lord means he's being the boss. But it doesn't mean judgmental. It doesn't mean he's watching everything we do to criticise us. It means he's a wonderful, supportive, encouraging, guiding person who helps us to have a positive relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's Lord. He's Lord. And he says... 
We now have a relationship through him with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And he says, I will make you fishes of men. I will make you fishes of men. You know, if you follow me, I'll make your life count. If you follow me, you'll be salt and light. If you follow me, you'll do things that make a difference in other people's lives. Because Jesus is our Lord. So to be missional, we need to acknowledge that. The second thing I want you to notice in this missional living, that we have a responsibility. It's our responsibility to live out the life of Christ. Now, Philippians 2.12 is a marvellous verse. It tells us really clearly there, he wants us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when Andy prayed before, he was praying along those lines. When we prayed before the service that we would have a genuine, healthy fear of God in our lives. What does it mean? It means putting our salvation experience into operation. So we can't just be spectators, we need to be involved. Now, as Lee Minahan said, everyone in a community church like this is involved. We support by prayer, we support by interest, we support by phone calls, we support by giving. But what it means is our faith is operational. Now that you've come to know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord, you are to live out the life of Christ. Live out what God has put within you. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Saviour, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came into your heart. So he's in you, he's with you, he's upon you. The Holy Spirit is a part of who you are. And from that moment on, it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to work out what God has placed within us. Folks, this is so real. This is what being a missional person in a missional church, in a missional world that we go out and become missionaries to, this is what it means. Well, how does that happen? Well, I want to encourage all of us today, all of us, the youngest in our faith, those that might be struggling, those that might have slipped a little bit backwards, the key thing I want to encourage you with is this. When we read the Word of God, we learn. We learn about God. When we pray, we build a relationship with God. When we begin to trust God, we experience God. And God begins to work in our lives. This is what it's about. Being a Christian is an active, working out what's inside of us. When we begin to share our faith and we begin to live the way He wants us to live and then we begin to give. Isn't that interesting? We begin to give because we know our Lord and we know his expectations and we know what's happening in our lives. Then God begins to work out what is in us and he works through avenues to other people and all those things we've just talked about, God works through those. God begins to work things out that he's placed within us. But let me put it another way so you understand. God would never ask a lost person to work anything out because there's nothing there. They don't know forgiveness. They don't know Jesus as Lord and there's nothing to work out. They are still, as it were, deaf and dead in sin when it comes to spiritual issues. So we're talking about being converted and experiencing the grace of God and we're working it out. So working it out means our character, our conversation, our conduct, all demonstrates that we belong to Jesus and the changes that are going on in their lives. But where do we work it out? Where? In our lives, 
in our families, where we live, on the job, in the schools, in the unis, among people, strangers that we haven't met and they're just acquaintances. Every part of our life is where God calls us to work it out. Because this word work means energy. It means energy. And he gives us the energy to work it out. But let me give you an example, a couple. You go to work and you use some obscene language. Now, if we're a committed disciple of Jesus, we wouldn't expect that. But what does that do for us? It cuts our testimony off. You cut your own testimony off when you bring down the name of Jesus. If you tell a dirty joke, it cuts out your effectiveness. And when these kind of things happen, we reach out and we bring in things that shouldn't be in our lives. That's what happens. See, we have a responsibility to work this out with fear and trembling. And then he says, you will be different. And so, he is Lord of our lives and he wants to be Lord of our lives. And he wants us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But notice this, for it is God who works in you to will and to work out his good pleasure. God wills and works. Don't you like that? God does it. God wills and works for his good pleasure. This is powerful. It's like saying God places his will in our lives. That's what he does. So where do we go to serve? Well, it's like Lynn said she'd like to go to Africa. Well, I could do one of two things. I could either go or stay home and and be lonely all the time (laughs) and do my own cooking and all those sorts of things. Who wouldn't go? (laughs) But seriously, you have a choice. You have a choice, don't you? We all have choices. And this is powerful. God places his will in our lives and makes it clear to us what he wants us to do. He will speak to us if we listen to him. God will tell us what to do in every situation. I I am sure that God doesn't have any problems with any situation that comes to our lives. We do, but God doesn't. If he wants us to do something, then he will place that within us to do it. You see, he'll never ask us to do anything that he will not enable us to do. Sometimes we think he has. Sometimes we think we're in over our head. But if we've gone there with God, God knows how to handle that. So we have every right in the world, don't we, to be determined and confident and assured that once we start walking down the pathway that God's calling us to, he'll be there every moment that we go there. All we need to do is to be sure it's God speaking to us, not someone else. That's really important. And so my final point, missional living and getting a job done, he also involves God's ultimate purpose. For God, who works in you to will and to do his good, to both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. I wonder what it is that gives God good pleasure in your life. What is it? Well, you know, you could say many things, but the one that comes to my mind is it's God's good pleasure that we should follow him and become Christ like. It's what it says in Romans 8 29. Those God has foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. But again in Corinthians it says, we who reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we've talked about missional person, missional church and missional living. Montmorency Community Church. I know this because I know Garth, I know a number of the people in the church and I have had a good look at your website again which is really great. 
Montmorency exists to enable people to serve God together in the greater community of Montmorency, Greensborough and all around. And how will they do that? Well, they tell us. Through everyday activities, church services, playgroups, kids' church, kids' club, youth club, 55-plus groups, small groups, personal connections, relationships. Really, it is very important that we see the two together. Every Christian is called to serve God in this way and every church is called to serve God in this way. We are meant to be missional people in missional churches and you are so fortunate to be that. And it is important, as Rob Freeman said last week, that we understand that we've been called to live holy lives and to look for the day of God's coming and in the meantime to be active in serving God as missional people in the missional churches he's called us to. Let's pray. Father, it's a joy to be here this morning. It's a real thrill and encouragement to be a part of a place where your name is lifted up and glorified. Oh, it's so good to be where people are enthusiastic to step out and serve. And we've heard of so many and yet we've hardly touched the tip of the iceberg in this very room alone. People are so engaged and active and serving. Thank you for them and pray your blessing on each person here. Lord, for any of us who are just not quite tuned in yet and we need to think a little bit more about this whole business of making you Lord and working out our salvation and understanding you're doing the work within us and it's your good pleasure to change us in the image of Christ and we're just not quite at that point yet. We pray, Father, that you'll speak to us and encourage us. And even today that we'll speak to people and say, how can I get involved? How can I be a part of it? And for those of us that are, encourage us, we pray. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.